I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome back to the Intrinsic Minds podcast once more. Um, Gio, how are we doing today? Doing good. It is, I don't know about you, but is it... um Cause I don't know if I got that far down south, but is it all smoky down in Florida at all? No, I uh, I saw I, I I got the updates from all my my Jersey people. You got a it's you got like a massive fire here. in Jackson. Well, not that. It's all the smoke that's coming from Canada. The oh, that too. Two, that's ironic. Yeah, the past two three days. Um, it's funny too. I I even have I have a picture of it. Just driving home today, it got worse. Like it dissipates and gets worse, like down here, like down at the shore. But and my girlfriend sending me videos because she was, you know, working over there in Brooklyn and shit. And then even Staten Island, it's so bad. And you go outside and it just smells like fire. Wow, I wonder if that's there's there's definitely a combination there too because that Jackson fire is pretty big. Yeah, now that's yeah, that's just a, there's been another fire not that long ago. There was a fire before that and shit too. So. Yeah, and then you got all the conspiracy people going crazy about the whole fires in Canada, and they're showing videos of you know these drones that are spitting out fucking fuel that's in that's on fire into the woods, and it's like, I'm like, are you a firefighter? Are you, are you a controlled wild wildfire you know detective over here? Yeah. Do you understand how you know controlled burns work? Yeah. But anyway, I didn't even entertain it. <laughs> I don't, dude. I have, uh, I have no intention to entertain any of it anymore. You know, it's like I'm, I'm just so far over it and so done. And if people have paid attention, I think they've slowly recognized mm-hmm. that we have not much interest in the conspiracy uh, end of things. Uh, it's all there, and you know. But yeah, I, I'm just at this point way more interested in the in the in the knowledge factor and in, in wisdom factor, right? Like in yeah. I'm trying to gain knowledge. I'm not just trying to be a detective and, and figure out who the bad guy is or what conspiracies are what and all that. They're out there and they're real. They're very real. And uh, I'd rather know uh, the knowledge and wisdom of if these people did know something opposed to what they're doing. And and I think mm-hmm. that's where I get like the whole personal empowerment mindset opposed to, you know, um, who's taking my power away. I think it's it's good mm. to be aware of both, but I'd rather empower myself through knowledge and wisdom at this point. And, and now going this far with astrological study, esoteric study and all of that, you know, you have so many opinions coming from the outside on what's good, what's bad with that stuff and what camps and, and all that believe in what this and that. But I just rather in a neutral place, sit in the middle, understand the knowledge to the best of my ability discuss it and talk about it and, uh, and recognize all the archetypal playouts because life is a beautiful thing if you allow it to be. And I, I think I wouldn't be following my own principalities of how I see reality um, of, you know, if my mind is constantly looking for those bad things or those things that are trying to get me and all of that, then I'm going to constantly attract that information and attract those people. And it's going to bring more of it into my sphere. Um, and if you're out there and you believe in the 5D, 
and you believe in that we manifest our reality, that if you are focused on just the politics or just the conspiracy or just uh, the black magic that is the occult and all that, that's how you're, that's the lens you're going to see it all through. Mm -hmm. And to an extent, I mean, it could serve you, but only up to us. I think uh, just there's a, there's a glass ceiling on it. Um, and people don't recognize that and then they can get themselves into a loop. Right. So, and that's why we've, you know, really kind of turned the corner here and saying, I I think we're going to really, you know, focus on more astrological talks and even psychological esoteric talks and all that. And whatever comes up, you know, and, and and if there is some conspiracy Mm -hmm. thing that needs to be brought up, of course. Oh, I, I, I think, I think what we've kind of found also through this is like my, my thing now is just to be like, if we're going to ask who the bad guy is, we have the answer. And this is going to sound really weird, but you, you are, we are, I am, you're the bad guy. That's it. It could yep. be, you're the bad guy because of, of your negligence, uh, the bad guy of, because of, you know, the imbalance or whatever, but no matter what, since we've learned to this, it's a lot of it is, is, is this reflective perception of things and stuff too. And it's not to demonize yourself either in that sort of way. But um, in reality, that's, that's just, that's just what it is. It's, you know, we're, we're, you know, a lot of things are imitated based off of shared, you know, psychology, shared emotions of things and, you know, shared idea construct like that. And, and we've seen that, more and more so to be true if you haven't then you know maybe there's a little deeper looking into things than you, you you do but maybe you should shift that perspective but i think this plays hand in hand and in, in you know the series that we're doing and and especially you know what we're going to be talking about today which is you know the moon all the constructs of the lunar principle and um you know archetypal paths of it you know the mythological allegorical implications you know that have been discussed about it and everything and, you know, just the actuality of it and how it kind of even physics plays a role in the certain areas that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Well said. And, and uh, you know, you said reflective, mm-hmm. right? The reflective property and that is the moon, right? Cause it, re- it reflects the energy that is placed upon it. And, and mostly the solar principle in astrology is what, the, the lunar principles reflecting right so in your chart or in anything else or and during any cycle the moon is the moonstral cycle is reflecting the that of the energy that was seeded um within each lunation process every month or every month you have a lunation process where something is seeded and then something is birthed and then something teeters off to start the next cycle again and that is the archetypal play out of the moonstral cycle or the moon uh, fun, quick, uh, sidebar too. Uh, I learned that the story of, uh, Humpty Dumpty is actually the story of the, uh, the moon cycle mm. uh, sat on the wall, right? Full egg on the wall. And then it cracks and falls and picks it up and puts it back together again and rises back up again. So there's a little allegory for you. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, also when it comes down to it, why, why, and, and we don't really have to explain why anymore, but why my belief system is like something like the astrological understanding and saying just even knowing your sun and moon sign, you're learning energetic playouts, right? You're learning these archetypal playouts uh, through energy and all of it. When Gio's saying, and this is what I get from what you were saying with how we're the bad, we're the bad guys in a way, is everything is part of the mirror effect in this reality, right? So everything's playing out through like it has to be formed in an energetic form first. It has to be a frequency first and a vibration. So whether it's 
a day in the year or whether it's your natal chart or whether it's anything else that has a a birth time and then yet the state of the energetic resonance of that specific thing whether an event or anything else that energy is there and then it has to play out into reality right so all this conspiracy and all of the things playing out where geo says we're the bad guys is more so just saying that this is the energy that was sitting in the unconscious of humanity as you know carl jung would call it the collective unconscious Mm -hmm. so all of these things playing out potentially could be the archetypal playouts of all the things accumulated up to this point by humanity and now it's being kind of let out like the pandora's box has been opened Mm -hmm. up and now every all the energetic forms that are there sitting in the soup of the ether has to play out and that's the beauty of following an astrological transit is you're getting a glimpse of you know what potentialities are going to be in that soup in that particular point in time for the energy to reflect back out to us and then we live and experience those things so with the transits or natal you are watching a archetypal and energetic play out of what's already sitting in there and you to the only way to you know transmute or transform that energy is to one be aware of it and to make the decision to change it but you can't change something that you're not aware of right so the the one thing that the conspiracy community is doing is great is it's awareness so that is a part of the empowerment but to only be aware of a problem to only be aware of a cancer in your body to only be aware of teeth falling out because you have a, a mineral deficiency or something like that if you're not aware of that in the first place and see the physical play out you would never know that you had a sickness or an illness or that there was these things lying in the unconscious of humanity and the fact that they are playing out they are being released now they have to play out and it's our choice now to see that thing and say okay this is being reflected back to me now and this is what is triggering my emotions this is what's getting me to think a certain way now that i'm aware i have that choice to say i'm going to decide to transmute this and bring it into a higher state and you know the the lunar principle is the most i guess uh i won't say common but it's the most intense because it changes so rapidly and you could see it and that's why if you know your sun or where the sun is and you know what season it is you'll have a great idea of what's going to be out open in the conscious realm and what you could see and what you can sense and what you could but with the moon it's about the internal subjective world about this is what you're probably going to be feeling. This is what you're going to subjectively be experiencing. And when we're once again, when we're hyper aware of it, we have the ability now to, to change that. Right. And uh, Gio, to, let's bring you into it. You're experiencing a lunar transit at the moment, an energetic reflection at the moment with Saturn over your moon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that can, that can play many different ways and stuff too, but it's something, something that triggered me that you, that you just said too, was um like, we constantly hear about the moon being, uh, you know, feelings or emotions and stuff like that. Well, I, I want to take an approach to be like, well, feeling and emotion is, is not necessarily one and the same thing. I think feelings trigger emotions where, you know, it's more of, uh, sensation which could be more represented by venus if anything you know and therefore you know those are more of you know the feelings are more of, of these surface level type you know uh is whereas emotion is more of a long term a long-term accumulation of 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 something 
being received, right? The reception of it. So that would be more so of the moon, you know? So that's how we can see it. And, and, you know, you said the whole thing too, is like, if we're going to go based off of this cycle of the moon too, and, you know, observe our chart and understand the archetypes in that way and stuff too, you know, then the moon, the, the awareness of the moon in that sort of sense, and it's, it's movement, and even, you know, where, you know, where it's moving in our own personal charts, even our own moon and stuff, you know, that can, I feel like, give us more of that immediate awareness as to, you know, when we're not, oh, this is how I'm going to be feeling. No, 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 no. It's whatever kind of occurs ends up creating a response or a feeling. It's just how you're going to internalize that. Now, now that's your moon, you know, that's your moon. And then but that internalization can be played different ways through different aspects and different degrees of where other planets are and stuff and how they're playing an effect into that. And, you know, something I also think, too, is that like when, you know, you're, you know, you're when you're when you're when there's like the, this reflection of the ego and when it comes to that whole thing, like I said, of the emotion and the moon and the receptive part of it and stuff like that, too. It's like the self-image and the ego will be reflected on the moon sign in relation with the rising sign. But like the rising sign is going to be more so of um, how other people are seeing seeing you play out some that, you know, receptive uh, uh, quality of that of that feeling that's now, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, transforming into an emotion and stuff like that too, where you're going to internalize more of that feeling and not going to see the same side, you know, but you may be conscientious of what's, what's on the outside and you may be even over infl uh, inflating that. And I think that's what creates a lot of the problems when it comes to our emotions, when we become too emotionally involved or not emotionally involved enough, or we don't know how to process our emotions. And I think those are the things that the moon and because of how immediate it is through its cycle, when you learn all the aspects of astrology in this way, and then the archetypes of each and every sign, the planets and all this, and then even the, the transits and stuff, then you can have more of that. Like, you know, it's like an addict, right? And what do they tell an addict to do? One step at a time, one day at a time. Sometimes it's one minute at a time. Well, like the moon can be that that process for somebody who maybe who maybe needs that you know who maybe needs who doesn't have feels like they don't have control of their emotional response to things oh, or yeah. you know right away they take in some sort of feelings through some sort of outer event and internalize it and it spirals or something like that or or maybe it just deflects off them and and it does nothing you know it just ends up in a black hole you know this is a way for you to view it, to look at it. And, you know, we'll go into that more. But I think that's just something I want to differentiate if we're going to talk about the moon and emotions and feelings. And like, let's kind of separate the words feelings and emotions, you know, because um, it, it could be easy to get lost in the sauce with that. Yeah. I mean, feelings, I think, pass by uh, where emotions are. You can consider them more vibrational states. You know, there are mm -hmm. things that have been embedded when you have an emotion, you know, your energy's in motion, you're having something that could be triggered, but it's, it could have been laying dormant where a feeling mm -hmm. kind of passes like, oh, I felt this way, mm -hmm. but feelings, you know, like anger, right? You get into a fight with someone that you're close to and all that, and you say some shit and you say stuff that you don't mean and all that, that you had a feeling that wasn't an emotion. The emotion is there, the underlying state and that attitude, which that's a great key word, I think for the, the moon too. It's more so the attitude that you inter like the internalization 
which then reflects back outwardly an attitude that would be more of the externalization of that internal um integration of whatever it is you're experiencing whatever if it's a feeling or if it's this elongated vibrational state that that attitude is the current uh form that that vibrational state is right and that's Mm -hmm. how you're handling all that stuff and that's why if you pay attention to say uh whether it is the aspects in your chart um you know like i have jupiter conjunct the moon in cancer so you could look at that in many ways, but that planet's playing, they're, they're working together because they're basically almost partile, right? They're almost at the same degree. And I could have big emotions. Uh, I could also indulge in uh, my emotions or anything like that. Like when it comes to, you say Venus, right? is connected to the moon. That I could be indulging in the uh, obsession of a, uh, of a TV show, right? Or something I'm emotionally connected to. It could be a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could cause that. But on the other side, it that that energy, that attitude of say the Jupiter Moon uh, combination could be more of a jovialness, uh, more someone who's bringing a, trying to bring a lot of positive energy, and in Cancer trying to nurture that positive energy and give it a big hug and trying to wrap it around and all that. But it is that that Moon is that attitude where the feeling, mm. I feel like, also would come from more so the transit or the transitory aspects of the moon where that you know the moon's going to go through every sign within 28 days and that's going to cause a bunch of feelings mm-hmm. not a bunch of emotions yeah unless you unless something has happened like when i brought up just before with your saturn and moon uh the transit of saturn going over your moon where that lasts for a long time and you're going to accumulate a lot of feelings from this transit because it's going to sit on your moon for a long time and you're gonna have a lot of feelings within that but then it, when that transit passes, you're going to now have developed new attitudes or new emotions mm-hmm. or new vibrational states that you now have, you know, digested and integrated into the self. So I'm with you on yeah. that. Like the, the, yeah, the like feelings, what feelings did you, right. yeah, what feelings came up and you're going to observe those and then you're going to psychoanalyze and then in that passing state, it's going to be, well, okay, well, what feelings did you nurture? And now they're going to have some sort of lasting, uh, you know, resonance on, on you know your own you know your own you know persona and your reflection on things and stuff too and like i think that's that's a quality of of when looking at the moon that should be observed is you know is that no matter what that's you know everybody thinks like the moon the the quality of it and it you know this nurturing receptiveness and all this stuff and shit well that can play in any sort of manner like you know it's the same thing like you know, the feeling, the Venus part of it could be like, ah, uh, you know, I got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this situation and stuff like that. But now what you're doing is you're internalizing that and you're and you're analyzing it over and like doesn't mean the feeling is 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 valid or right. Your emotions are valid, but the feeling doesn't necessarily mean and everything actually turns out completely opposite of what you thought. And maybe you made yourself look like an ass because you really internalized the emotion of it and got real, you know dark with it or something like that well that's the thing it's the moon is you you you, however your you know your moon sign is going to reflect that of course with other aspects and shit but it's really going to show how you kind of handle that handle that feeling and stuff and 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 that's the thing it's like you don't want to over nurture the things that that don't need to be nurtured you know it's like sitting there and being like i'm gonna pull some weeds out of my garden and shit but i'm just gonna throw them back on top Eventually, those are going to fucking root back into the into the garden, whereas you need to actually get rid of them. 
you know, um, the same way where it's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to feed this. I'm going to give this, this one, this quality of water and shit. And this one, I'm just not going to do anything to it. Well, you know, that's, you're going to, you're going to, that's what you're going to produce in that sort of sense too. And I think the moon has this, this big part to play on security. Yes. Emotional security, but that, but that plays into everything else because if we think about it, the sun, like we've talked about, is that is that um, is that creative, productive energy, whereas the moon is that receptive part of it. It's the womb in that way. It's you know, it's it's going to kind of um, manifest and put into form that energy and stuff through a certain quality. Not only that, if we want to look at it in like kind of like this mystic type of way when it comes to um, you know, all the planets and everything and how they radiate some sort of, let's just say light in some sort of way, no matter what they all have to pass through the moon, like it all has to pass through the moon in some sort of way, even in the, you know, real ancient Kabbalistic way. When you look at this, when you look at the, the Kabbalah and all the Sephirots and stuff, the pathways that they go, no matter what, everything passes through the moon before it gets to the Malkuth or before it gets to the earth. So, you know, there's, there's other things that are showing us that to be true and therefore, why why not let that be the first thing to work on? And then, like I was saying, the moon was going to deal with a lot of a lot of um, the emotions of security, feeling secure in, in 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 you know what we do and stuff. And we can be forming through our emo- emotions whatever is being reflected from our moon sign. I guess you could say too. There's more, obviously, everything else that's going to play into it, but. I'm just trying to keep it basic, whereas like that's the first thing you can look at too. The same way, like I said, it's like, yeah, you may have something happen to you and you know, you have a certain way of intaking and have a response. And, you know, maybe you can look at, oh, okay, well, how is how is the outside world going to uh, you know, perceive whatever it is that I'm taking in and my my emotional response to that feeling and stuff like that. Whereas your moon is going to show you more so of that whole thing of how you're actually who yourself identifying with that feeling and stuff, not the outer identity that's going to be seen, but it's also conscientious of what the outside is, is projecting as well. So yeah, I, I, I think that's a big thing and it's funny because alchemically and even just, you know, through the archetypes and everything and, and the rulerships of, you know, the moon and the domicile and the exaltation and stuff like that, like, it actually will reinforce that whole thing of security, stability in those ways. But I know, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, and yeah, inner, inner stability and security is, is definitely mm-hmm. a key part of it. And it's not only on the inner, but on the outer, right? So in the moon, we'll, we'll always play that, that archetype. You, you have the exoteric and the esoteric where on the outside, you know, it is more so of like maybe the, the childhood experience that you had where if you felt, if you felt secure or you felt insecure, or if you felt like, you were in a home or in a broken home, your moon sign and the aspects to it are going to play out exoterically where you'll, you'll see the symbolization of that moon energy that you have. And then on the inner side of it, when you're in, it's also then how the inner play of it is how you're internalizing all that energy and then how you also transmute it. And that, and that really to me is the most important part of astrological um, like delineation of, you know, you're using this information to see it on the outside. Then usually 
then use it to internalize it to then transmute or ch- or change or become aware to get off the wheel of karma with it and 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 get it to its most highest expression and your moon sign is that subjective inner experience on how you're going to deal with that relationship of security that you have to yourself to your family to the world to your home and how all that stuff interplays and that's why it's part of the big three right because your sun is how you're going to think about the symbol, uh, you know, just using nature, right? You walk out, the sun is projecting its light, it's, cre- it's growing things, it's creative expression, all that. And the moon is when everything gets quiet and receptive and where you're taking in the day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's reflecting light back to you from the day. It's the accumulation of the day. And then once that moon sign then goes back out again and the sun comes up, you've now re- renewed or refreshed. You know, how much have you transmuted that lunar energy everything that was reflected to you or placed upon you during the day and that's how you would use that archetype and so the and this is part of the big three right so the the, the if you know your sun and you know your moon you're you're two-thirds there of of really knowing the most important aspects to yourself and everything else happens to just um integrate within those three and when you were talking before about the uh you know you're saying venus is related to the moon and all that and they are the, the feminine principle you know if you have taurus and cancer and they do sextile they do they they, they mm-hmm. that is a uh, a beneficial and benevolent uh angle there but you also have say you can use the all the personal planets as part of the process because if you're internalizing feelings or creating emotions, Mercury's there to go down into, you know, Persephone, right? You're supposed to go down into the depths of your emotions. Mercury's there to be indifferent to it all and analyze it and bring anything up from that realm to bring to the higher realm. So if you think about it, and then Mars is going to be how you slash all those demons, right? How you fight that internal war that you have going on. Mm-hmm. And so all your personal planets will mm-hmm. serve the sun, the moon, and the rising sign is kind of more just setting the the stage on how you're going to get through that journey and how and what places in life you're going to have to deal with those things. You know, I happen to have Mars in the house, the fourth house of home and inner security, which is ruled by the moon. So I'm going to be a warrior at home or I'm going to be a warrior for the family. I'm going to have that Martian thing of like, if you come into my home, you will respect it. And if you do not, I, the Mars now comes out. So in that sphere, it's playing out my, that personal planet of mine, you know, where I have Venus and Aries and that's more of, and I have a quintile, I luck out, but quintile is kind of this natural way to deal with it. It's a natural talent, but usually Aries squares cancer, which is where my moon is. And that's going to, there's going to be tension there between my feelings or my passions and desires and what makes me feel secure and what makes me feel so comfortable and my relationship with my family and all of that you know my, my moon actually squares geo's mercury so th- there is even a, a there could be tension there on sometimes maybe on how he says something and then what i feel about it unless you know that you've transmuted it and you know how to deal with it and you're aware and you've internalized these energies to then bring out the the highest expression so now you could go to an astrologer or learn to look at your own chart and say okay where is this lunar principle? Where, what sphere and what house does it sit in? What sign is it in? Because that sign's going to ex- express what you're going to need to, with that, that energetic drive or that expression that it needs. And then you see it in the house and you go, 
okay, this is where I feel most secure and comfortable. Is it in the realm of career? Is it in the realm of partnerships? Is it in the realm of transformation and psychology? Is it in family? And you could see all that. And when you're aware of it now, now that internalization process becomes a lot easier because you're bringing this way to see the archetype into your consciousness and you're able to then integrate it into your consciousness and do something about it with your son. And that's how they work together. So you see, you start to notice on how the mm-hmm. chart and all, especially all the personal planets really need to work together. And your big three are the ones that are, you're going to benefit the most on your transcendental experience of becoming a higher, a, you know, a, a human being or a state of consciousness and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the things that are going to represent, you know, struggle or conflict and stuff and, and in certain ways, like those are, those have to be viewed as beneficial as well. Like there's going to be things that are going to be aiding factors, but you know, yes, there's going to be more of like the hard parts of it. You know, some things that aren't considered necessarily beneficial, but overall they are beneficial. If you, like you were saying, know how to transmute them and stuff, because the same way where the moon can nurture good things, like I was saying before, yes, you can nurture negative things as well and stuff too. You know, there could be the excess of emotionality and reactivity and stuff, the moodiness, dependence, you know, unwillingness to want to grow up, shit like that, you know, or wanting to help everybody and stuff. And maybe some people don't, you know, you're actually doing them a disservice and stuff. So it once again plays on that whole balance beam of, of, you know, of is, is something too much or is it not? You know, even like when you were saying before, like the whole Mars, Mars square the moon and stuff like, you know. And, and dealing with the home and, you know, roots and, you know, also learning how to, you know, what, what emotions need to come up in, 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 in a dominant factor and where to assert, where to assert those things or those emotions or, you know, where to assert yourself even in the home and stuff like those are different ways to even, even look at that too. Um, but yeah, there's, I feel like there's, you know, compared to like a lot of other planets and stuff, uh, you know, I really feel like the moon definitely is probably a real key kicker into, you know, cause a lot, you know, what we, what we manifest is, is, is majority based on of how we're perceiving things and how we're processing them. And it's like, you know, if we're going to be an emotional doom and gloom type person and stuff, most of the time, that's what you're going to receive. You know, but also you can't be too airy fairy. Everything's all right and stuff like that, because then you're going to live in a delusion, you know, and you could see that represented through all different archetypes of the moon and different signs and stuff, too. So it's like the moon kind of has to like, you know, the, if the moon's ruling your emotions and your emotions are going to propagate your actions and your action, your actions are going to propagate, you know, your reality and, you know, the realism of what comes into form and is manifested and stuff, too, then you kind of got to learn how to like almost like inherit all those qualities and stuff too through the moon in a sort of way, which like what I say before is that the everything, all the celestial rays of everything comes through the moon. You know, even if we were to look at it on, you know, maybe, you know, that cosmic platform of, you know, what we're told is, is, you know, how, how everything's set up and stuff too. Um, not going to get into that, but you know, that's, that's a, another way to understand that it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I do need to, you know, if I'm, if I'm into astrology in this way, maybe I do need to look really into the moon first before trying to go off in other areas. Cause I've even just me for myself, like revisiting this, you know, notion about the moon has 
helped me kind of see and be like, wow, you know what? I'm starting to see how a lot, if I can kind of focus on those parts of myself and, you know, the internal and, you know, understanding that a lot of it isn't, because that's the other thing too, the moon, you know, you constantly hear, oh, it's the unconscious or the subconscious, like, yes, but it's actually more conscious than we think. Like it's, it's more consciously being flowed and, 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 and observed by ourselves and by our ego and is, is being transformed into our outer expressions in a way too. So it is, there's a very conscious aspect of it too. So when we take in consideration all the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows of the moon and stuff, which that's what it does. I mean, the tides, you know, they come in and out and everything, you know, our, our internal emotional waters and tides and our energy goes in and out and everything in that sort of sense too. Uh, you know, it could recede, it could retract. And, you know, maybe that's what's necessary. Maybe you need to kind of, you know, give the excess off as well. Like you got to look at it in that energetic sense. And when you put it through all the different archetypes, you can kind of see what you need to take with it. So you can re, you know, in, empower, empower your emotional security and stability to let it better reflect and emanate what you need to, you know, how you need to think, you know, you know, maybe you're thinking with just constantly just it's everything's filtered through your emotions, you know, and that's that's also not a good way to to if you're really trying to come up with logical, rational things sometimes, you know, but also it's not to take complete emotion out of it. But so there's that. And, you know, there's you know, it, it can help you with your thinking. It can help with your actions. And those are the things that are going to actually let's be realistic because we live in a physical world. Those are the things that are actually going to have a more practical, you know, tangible way of, of, of showing up and help reinforce what you just processed with your emotions. And it could also change your perception and your, and your opinions on things that you take in, you know, that the feelings that you have on, which like we just said before, transmutes into certain emotions and maybe things will take on more importance than others that need to. And maybe things won't be as important as other things. And I think that's going to help in that healthy balance of flow of trying to find that emotional security. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, you brought up manifestation, right? So I think the moon would be that hmm. inner attitude, that inner vibrational state that you're going to, you know, naturally kind of express. Uh, and I think with the word unconscious, I just think, I, I, and I agree with you on it. I think it's only unconscious because people don't pay attention to it. You know, that they choose to mm-hmm. kind of repress it um, and they yeah. or, or depress because repression is you're not even, you don't even understand that you, you've done that. But depression is kind of just like, you're aware of it mm-hmm. and I feel this way, but I'm just not going to acknowledge it. When you acknowledge it, you know, it's now conscious, right? And now, so w- when it comes to manifestation terms, if you, if you were to use just the sun and the moon, your moon is how you're going to take everything and, and, and internalize that attitude and, and how you're going to take your vibrational states, your ebbs and flows, and what you're going to do to integrate that into your daily conscious mind to then use to drive and create with the solar energy, right? Because the moon's always reflecting. So they interplay with each other, right? So your vibrational state on the internal is then going to create your actions on the external and in your conscious mind, you'll make conscious decisions with that because you've consciously internalized or transmuted those energies when yet if you are unconscious of it now these unconscious drives that you have sitting in your lunar space is going to cause certain energies to then vibrate 
And then now that leads to decisions and it leads to conscious activities that aren't so conscious because they're unconsciously driven from the lunar principle that you have. So it's important to know both. And, and I would say lunar, you, you know, you were emphasizing how this is one of the most important parts of it. And that's because the lunar principle is probably affecting the solar one more than the solar is affecting the lunar, meaning the, the moon's supporting, right? It's the mother. The mother or the woman in the household, if you were to use this traditional way of seeing all of this, is the mom or the feminine principle is there to be soft and warm and receptive to the male principle so then the male can then go out and be energized and be supported and all that to go be the male energy, to go drive out into society and go make the money or go do this and that. And I know a lot of women nowadays want to be the solar principle and all and they want to be the masculine or they want to embody that as well, which there's no problem with that. But when you look in nature where you just look at a simple uh, electrical socket of a male and female, you know, the male and female part of anything out in nature or that's used that's not just, say, a human being, it's just out in nature, they have their purposes, they have their places, and when things are working in cohesion and they work in a natural, you know, integrative way and they're properly placed and all of that, nature tends to be the perfect machine. And if we, f- we abide by those principles and use it, now apply it to the astrological energies, if you have the inner wife or the inner feminine principle who is soft and receptive to the male principle in you, and you're creating the proper energetic vibrational states, then you are now going to be able to then take that solar energy and go create what it is that you actually want to do. You know, and I'll use as a personal example, you know, I have a moon in Cancer, but then I also have a sun in Gemini. You know, two pretty opposite signs you know they say the mo- the signs that differ the most it's not the opposition because the opposition of an energy is the same energy it's just the other spectrum of that expression where the signs that are next to it are the blind spots you know so i have a moon in cancer and a sun in gemini i want to just go have fun and be flighty and talk and this and that but then my moon's like yeah but i want to be held and i want to be i want to feel and i want to you know we're 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 you know, emotionally be involved and Gemini doesn't want anything to do with that. So I have to now battle that if I don't know how to integrate or if I don't know how to transmute or, or, or allow the wife to work for the husband and allow the husband to work for the wife. So for example, the Gemini energy to bring home the soft receptive, you know, perfect place for the cancer moon to feel at home and, and to express itself to the fullest. And then with the cancer energy there to recharge and this and that and 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 be more internal to take those emotions and bring it back out to the gemini and say you know that you know now you're ready to go now you're ready to go back to work now you're ready to express or create and all of that and so then how can you use these archetypes and these principles masculine feminine solar lunar and learn to integrate it into your consciousness and that's the beauty that's the beauty of using this science is you're getting the tan uh intangible metaphysical view on how to be be the highest form of yourself, opposed to the idea that it's just this exoteric, conspiratorial, occult, black magic, witch-having, ritual-inducing, and all that. And all that stuff is part of it, but wouldn't you find it more on the empowerment side of things to use this to bring yourself up and to see self first, and then to place yourself out into society and into life and become your highest form? Uh, And that's how I've personally seen it as so useful to you know to know like one thing about 
being the, the dramatic conspiracy theorist or, or anything else or use it to I mean, and then to manifest material things that aren't so spiritual. You could do that. And that's fine. It's it's part of I feel like it's part of the whole sphere of nature. Like that's mm-hmm. how and this is how energy works. Astrology just happens to be the metaphysical home base for that. So I know we just spurted out a lot there. But, yeah, the, the, the feminine and masculine principles here of the sun and the moon and knowing them in your own chart is just going to do you absolute wonders. Yeah. And next week, I think we'll do the rising sign because I don't want to skip over that either. We'll do the big three and then we'll go into Mercury. But, you know, these two will, will bring you further than, you know, you wouldn't, don't, don't go see an astrologer first. Go just go read about your sun and moon sign and, and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that, that trinity kind of helps really connect it all and everything and gives yeah, you a yeah. starting ground and stuff too. But another analogy I was just thinking of, like that whole receptivity of the sun's energy and not just in i'm not just talking about in a physical sense either like everything that we just said but like the whole like what can be now an analogy for like the sun's receptivity uh i mean the moon's receptivity of this of the sun's energy in in a more shadow way could be you know say you have a very health conscientious tip-top shape um um, you know, good, good genetics, man. Right. And then you have the woman, right. Who's the receiver. They get together, they mate, And, but the, the woman doesn't take care of herself, starts drinking, drugging, smoking. You're right. And it's polluting, it's polluting the womb. And therefore that's going to be indicative of what is going to be birth from that womb. Most likely. You know, that's that's kind of what you're passing along. And it could the same thing could go vice versa. Right. So, like, I'm saying that more so as like, oh, OK, sure. Maybe you have, a, you know, a, a beneficial no matter what, it's always beneficial in a certain sort of sense. Yes, I get we have, you know, did, you know, different domiciles of the planets and the exaltations and antithesis and depressions and stuff like that, too. But no matter what, there's there's always some sort of um, positive. Creative energy that's being exuded and where we're just saying how is if you pollute right or you have an imbalance and this is dependent on you as well it's not just oh well this is this is what i was given i was given a shitty moon sign like you can't think of it that way it's you're deciding to go into you know you're you're practicing or you're deciding to go into the more shadow or you know overly excessive or negative sides of that archetype in a sort of way. And you're deciding to play that out. So it's the same way where it's like, Hey, well, maybe I need to clean up that, you know, if I'm trying to birth something, especially if you know, that there's something that you want to, you know, take in and create and process something with it and, and, and have it manifest something on the outside, then yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to clean up your act you're going to have to clean up your response and your reaction and all the reactivity that you have to certain notions of things and you know a lot like we just said a lot of that comes into of that more unconscious side of it but it is conscious but that unconscious side of it of of how you're allowing those different thoughts stir up and dictate what emotions are, are available and stuff. And, and and like, that's, that's why like, it's just like, it's crazy. Cause like I've, I, you could put that in any area of your life. If you really look at your life and stuff like that and you know, 
just takes like a self-discipline to really look at yourself. And if there's something that you feel like it's just not going your way or some way. And if you could look at it in this sort of sense of, and, and maybe you can immediately apply the understanding of your chart. Cause if you have, you know, if you are receptive and understanding of, of astrology in your own chart in this way, you can even do it right now and look at that one thing and really break it down and analyze it of, am I, you know, am I healthily, like, am I, am I being healthy in the way that I'm receiving what's been coming to me? You know, do I have a part to play in why something is so resistant in my life or something in that way? And, and if you, if you honestly come up with those answers, because the moon is asking why, why the feeling, you know, why, why, why is this coming up for me? And then it tends to psychoanalyze the feeling in that sort of sense. And that's the product we get from whatever it comes up with. And then we act upon that. So if you can really look at it in that sort of sense of maybe this example that you come up with in your head, just listen to this and then reflect it through the archetypes and then even see the strengths of the archetypes and maybe how you can change your receptivity of it. That's how the astrology works for you. And that's how the, the moon astrology, but it's, I mean, it's the moon, the sun and everything else and stuff too, but that's just one focused area of how you can really see this kind of play out. And it is, it's that empowerment through self-awareness and, and using the different archetypes in that way. And that's, I, that's, I just think that's, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing. Like I, I've even said on the podcast that this is, this is how I came into it and, and it was like, all right, astrology is valid in that way. Like, and it's had a way of being beneficial in my life. Do I stick to it all the time? No, you know, I'm, I'm human. We get distracted all the shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. Like mm -hmm. that's a, an important thing, right? Like I, like for example, I could have been spending this past week really internalizing this, what we're, we're talking about now or astrology in itself, which I do watch a lot of it most of the time, but I caught myself watching Joe Dispenza the other day and spending more time on the psychology and, um, nothing. He even kind of, uh, by the way, he, he, he threw a shot at astrology. He's like, a planet doesn't cause you to feel this way and all that. And I'm like, yeah, we can have a debate mm -hmm. on that. But but I liked what he was talking about on how you could change certain things in a certain amount of days in psychology. So like, and Carl Jung was a psychologist. Like he didn't just use astrology, but it's one aspect, one tool, but you can put your mind in different places. But astrology is this metaphysical way. It's it's just a, a yeah. layer. You, and you don't even need it. You don't, you well, don't I think, need it. I think it's your... I know. I just saying. I like. I think. I the, when that's the thing. It's like when people say that. It's like it's so easy to just be like, yo, like art imitates reality, like or 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 reality imitates art. But I think it's the whole thing that yeah, it's both ways. But the grand, just let's just look at the grand architect of the universe, right? He's the artist, right? This is what's been set in place, and and the art, his art is, or their art, whatever you want to say, is imitating reality and you could like you could say vice versa and stuff too that's all it is it's not necessarily yes there may be but like there may be you know you know because we know how the moon actually affects physical things and it affects the actual motions and the and the liquids and the tides that has to deal with the blood and the plasma and the body and stuff and you know our emotions and our hormones and stuff and plays the same effect on the oceans yes we we can see that we don't necessarily know, you know, we know about the sun doing that, but we don't necessarily have it all figured out when it comes to do, do the other planets have that effect. 
yes, in our own personal opinions, I think we say that there is some sort of way, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, it's, it's visible or, or it's this, this really hidden deeper side that science cannot really describe in a sort of sense. But no matter what, that's enough to say, well, if, if there's a reflection of this, of this going on, like that's enough reason alone to give validity to astrology. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, that's why I don't like that, that argument because it's like, you know, yeah, maybe some people do believe that, you know, Ooh, what the, 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 the solar, I mean, the, the, the celestial bodies are actually affecting us and stuff like that. Well, you know, I, 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 I kind of urge people not to just take that road, but to also take what we've been saying about this whole thing of, you know, as above, so below that it's just kind of like, it's, it's just, it's just this fractal patterning of, of, of what's happening in a certain way. And we've constantly gone into that, you know, where this way, you know, if somebody presents that bullshit to you of being like, Oh, you really think astrology and the plants? Well, no, hit them with a different perspective of it. I know anytime I've done that and I've hit people with that different perspective and being like, no, I'm not just thinking that the, the stars do shit like that. You know, then they've said, Oh, okay. Well, I could see that. And it's like, well, what the fuck? What did you think? Yeah. I got, so I got a few people with the, the tides thing and all that. It's like, it's you think of energy is mm-hmm. there, you know, and that's I, I reference mm-hmm. that Wi-Fi thing all the time, man. Like, you know, our phones, we walk around and but people are just so used to it now. You know, I have Internet and I can make a phone call from any fucking where I can watch a movie while I'm on a bus or a plane. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, it just happens to an image and data just happens to just float through the nothingness and end up on your phone. And you could just, yeah, just and no one, no, no one even, you know, it's it's, it's just common thing now. And like to think that can't be happening with nature itself and that it's working in some coordinated way and all of that. Like I think that's where the whole term order out of chaos came from. I think that like, it looks like chaos out there, but there is order out of it. Like that. And that's where I think that whole t- masonry term came from. It's not, it's not, Oh, we cause chaos magic and it's order. Like that's maybe because that's a natural principle that out of chaos comes order that maybe, in, in an energetic way, maybe that is some law and then you could use it for magic and there, there's chaos magic, right? So like I could see that being a thing, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you don't think it's orderly out there, then I think you have brain damage. Uh, I, I, I like, how can yeah. you not well, think about music, that? you know, how and then music? Well, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I thought, yeah, I thought you were done. Sorry. No, I'm just saying, look at music though. It's like, it's, there's a lot of layered orchestra, uh, uh, orca, like an orchestra type of music yeah, it's layered yeah. and that could seem very chaotic music of the spheres right but then when it's actually being perceived and everything in its entirety and you're being able to view it whereas if you just look at small individual parts it could seem chaotic oh look at sheet music look at sheet music yeah like with all the dots Looks- and the and the you mm-hmm. know and the notations and the time signatures and all that looks like absolute yeah not so chaos bullshit and then you like you know put yeah. it in front of an orchestra and it's like this beautiful piece of music and you're like oh wow how is it out of that chaos on that piece of paper that you have this beautiful symphony an orchestra yeah no that's a great i'm glad you brought that up yeah good good call yeah you're seeing you're seeing a more zoomed out perspective of things rather than just a zoomed in and there's other senses at play like whereas you're saying the sheet music you're just visualizing that and stuff too but then when you take the other senses and now let's think about this in a cosmic order type of way and we, we can only be seeing a small fracture of 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 something and it looks chaotic and stuff and we're using our visual senses and maybe you know whatever else but there's other senses that we have that we haven't tapped into too and we're also not taking the perspective of 
zooming out of it to see the grander scale of it. And maybe we can't see the grander scale of it necessarily. We could have an intuitive, you know, intrinsic way of looking at it or something like that or perceiving it in a sort of way and stuff. But, you know, it's not going to be fully, fully known. I think that's that's the that's the, that's the point. You're not going to figure out the workings of the universe. It, you you totally just got my brain going on the mm-hmm. music thing because now I'm thinking about a symphony and like you, you think of your chart and you think of what the moon represents in an astrological archetype and, and symbolism. If a song is supposed to be like you're, you look at your chart as that sheet music and exactly. your song is supposed to be played in a certain way and all of a sudden there's this sour note in the symphony and you can't think, you're like, you know, this was supposed to be more of a sad song or supposed to be more of this uplifting, you know, track and this and that, or this is the part of my song that's supposed to be uplifting or the part of my song that's supposed to be a lot of dissonance and a lot of noise and all that stuff. It's, it's like being conscious of your say moon sign is being conscious of like, wait a minute, that attitude, that's not what's supposed to be being played right now. Or this is the adjustment that I need to make. This is the tuning that I need to do to get Mm -hmm. my, emotions or attitude in tune with the moment to then play the piece of music that I need to be playing at this moment to make the best sounding symphony Mm -hmm. and the best, you know, and the best self-serving and also collectively serving piece of music, you know? So yeah, good, good call on bringing that up. Right. And what, and what happens if you don't necessarily, you know, you don't know how to really read music, you know, maybe you, you, maybe you could get the gist of it and stuff like that, but maybe you're in the wrong octave, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, like you just said, you're not, you're not tuned to the right frequency or whatever and stuff. And, and therefore it sounds like shit, but you, but, but this is, but I'm playing the note. I'm playing the note. Well, it sounds like shit. Oh, okay. Well, on that point, you wrong. go to a comp, a person who does composition, AKA in this mm-hmm. position or in this situation, an astrologer, and mm-hmm. you go, Hey, um, I'm having trouble with my notation here. I'm reading my symphony or my orchestra. You know, can you tune this up and, and fix my, you know, cause when I was in music theory in high school, when you're learning classical music and you have to learn to do the notation and learn what rules there are there was this thing called where you have fifths in music where you have the root note of the scale and then the fifth note up in the scale and you the rule was is you couldn't go parallel to another root fifth so like now nowadays when we when metal guys or rock guys are doing power chords that's a root five and that's a power chord a one five highly illegal highly illegal in classical music once that power chord goes another power chord you've You've now broken all the rules. And I, I always wondered, was there a metaphysical reason why they made those rules? But that's a whole other discussion. But in, if you gave rock music to a classical artist, they would go, wait a minute. You have to, this is why your shit sounds like shit. Or this is why it's not, if you just move this here to a third instead of the fifth, it's going to sound more harmonious. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound, or, or it's going to get you out of this part. You know, maybe you are in a dissonant part, but you need to get more, you try to get more back in the uh, melodious, would that be a word? Um, more melodic section. Uh, and, and that's how, you, you know, and so that's the way you could see Australia. And I've always said this, and I'm glad you brought up music because music really is probably the greatest allegorical, symbolic way to explain everything mm-hmm. in life from, you know, the rhythm and, you know, the ebb and flow and the rhythm and what key that you're in, which is what emotion you're in. And and who you're playing with. So you have the family or the people that you share things with. And then who's listening. So you have the people that you've shared your stuff with. And then uh, what you, are you gaining from it? Are you gaining this personal integration from the music? And this all plays into mm-hmm. everything else. And especially with, you know, astrology. And the guy, you know, Pythagoras, right? He's termed, he coined the term music of the spheres, which that's what he was talking mm-hmm. about. You know, and all the measurements and all that stuff of the way the planets move and the way 
anything, the metric system and how everything evolved from him and all his mathematics, that there is this order out of chaos and there's this beautiful, and that's why you get the word a universe or one verse Mm -hmm. or one song. Exactly. And that's the thing, like you can have the very basic, you know, (laughs) what do they call that? Like the, the, uh, basically you can have it where it sounds very, you know, it sounds very simple, like a fucking, like, like a car. 1980s Nintendo game fucking intro or something like that. Oh, like MIDI or yeah, exactly. Or it can be very layered and complex and have harmonies. Hans Zimmer, yeah, like that's the big interstellar harmonizing soundtrack. going on. There's so much more to it, and that can that can help personify things. Where it's like, yeah, you could get and and it's so funny because the moon also deals, you know, is represented by the moon as well. The moon music, the the um even dancing well, movement of feelings yes exactly Eb- ebbs and flows tides mm-hmm. ins and outs you know and that's and and if you really use it for today's music today's music basically what it does mostly and i'm saying more on the mainstream because there's amazing music like if you if you go look music's amazing like everyone's like music sucks nowadays it's like you know you're just not looking uh it doesn't suck it's just what's on the mainstream mm-hmm. or what's pushed out into normal you know minded people who don't want to actually go seek uh, you know, substantial and good art and all that. But what's pushed out on the mainstream is this cyclic, uh, you know, this very um, repetitive and and detached, but like also just this like real um, one dimensional emotional. Oh, this is the emotion, you know, whether it's, you know, wet ass pussy or, mm. uh, you know, or or uh, country music. You know, I fucked my dog because my wife left me, <laughs> you know, like it, whatever it is. Um, this real one dimensional, like I want, it's almost like, this is the way I, cause this, I listen to music in a specific way and I'm, and, and I'm gonna relate this back to the astrology or the moon sign. But if you r- go read your moon sign and you go, I'm a cancer moon, I'm supposed to be sensitive. I'm supposed to be about family. I'm seeing it in this very one dimensional factor. And then I've now taken that. And now I, the way I listen to the song of astrology or how I interpret that energy is now I start in integrating that one dimensional view with music. Same thing. If something is only giving me one emotion or t- a couple thoughts to deal with, whether it's drugs, banging bitches, this, that, and it's one dimensional, like it's just this, you, here's a character placed in a song and I'm going to listen to it. It sinks in and you start imitating that. That's why the world is the way it is. Like music is that powerful. But when you have an orchestra and maybe there's not as many lyrics or it's more musically driven and there's more of an adventure and there's ups and downs and dynamics like real life is. That does something to the mind because you start to think your own images. Nothing's telling you to think of this guy in his car selling drugs, fucking, mm. fucking your bitch and whatever. And you're not getting, you know, the images are so important, right? If we're talking about manifestation and visualization, what does the music you listen to make you visualize? And what, and you're sending that out and now you're, you're adopting all of that shit. And now think of the astrology, the metaphor of that going back to it is, how are you listening to the music or what's your interpretation of what's good in that music and what images are you getting from your sun sign, from your moon sign, you know, or how your chart is laid out and all of that. And yeah, so it, it, this is, this was a good turn, uh, the unexpected turn yeah. of conversation. Gia. Yeah. Good, good job. Uh, yeah. I, I just, once again, uh, got my brain <laughs> fucking firing let, off. Let the, let the flow happen. But yeah, to get to, so I'll ju- just to reinforce a lot of what we talked about. And just when you look at astrology, representations of the moon we've discussed a lot of it but it's the mother emotions the interpersonal subconscious the upconscious i mean the unconscious upconscious hello uh fertility nurturing incarnation and resurrection we'll get into why and all all this stuff too eventually but 
the womb, the receiver, water, home and roots, uh, the capacity to feel, ego, um, uh, the processing, reflect on emotions, qualities of the depth uh, of of depth and soul. Um, so, you know, with that too, I just want to also say here, as an ancient astrologer had said, balance that the moon and and this is something I want to bring it up because there's a lot of uh, representations that he said of the moon where you look at that and you'd probably be like like that's a different planet or but we can kind of like go into why you know that would be the moon in our own manner but um so the moon is born from the reflection of the solar light and possessing a counterfeit light signifies in a nativity a man's physical life doesn't have to be necessarily a man but uh the body the mother conception which would form appearance goddess living together or lawful union nurse older siblings housekeeping the queen, mistress of the house, possessions, fortune, city, gathering of masses, gains, expenditures, home, boats, travel, wanderings, uh, the left eye, the stomach, breasts, the breath, the spleen, membranes, and marrow. It also is represented by silver, pearl, moonstones, glass, gems, um, and then also nocturnal it's nocturnal. Then you have, it's also the color green, but also white and salt. So is there anything of those in there that stood out to you? Cause I know for me, when I saw it, I was like, that's crazy. And then I, once I, and I was like, that's mercury. <laughs> like a lot of it was in there. I was like, that's mercury. Some of it. Yeah. Well, I, I could have connected a bunch, but the way I thought about it and, and you know, this is traditional astrology and ancient astrology, but the way I would kind of take all of that is that sounded like combinations of what the moon can bring out through being aspected with other planets where there the moon is being you know hit with certain energies where it's going to bring out like it's a combination factor more than anything else but what caught me the most and i've been a moon child my whole life i've been nocturnal my whole life i have moon in the eighth house conjunct jupiter in cancer where the moon is more powerful than my son. If you were to really kind of do the math that I'm more ruled by the moon sign because it is in more, it's in a stronger position and it has the, it's exalted planet Jupiter conjunct in cancer and it's in the eighth house, you know, so nighttime deep in the scorpionic cave and all that. And so nocturnal is what the key word there that I'm like, yeah, that's moon. You know, that's, that's, it's nighttime. It's, 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 um, uh, sitting with the the inner energies and observing them and i think with someone like me who has moon and cancer they're going to be more highly aware and able to do that bring those conscious things up where someone with like you know moon in leo or um even moon in pisces i'll say mm. i mean but the fact that it's a water sign i still feel like you're more in touch you're more aware of emotions than say a fire sign mm. or an earth sign because they're not going to want to analyze it mm. you know fire sign wants passion and fun they don't want to sit there and a moon in leo is not going to be like i feel this way it's going to be like i folk feel this way and now i'm going to you know mm. i'm going to tell you how i feel and then uh, whatever like they're going to egoically like whatever they're not going to sit and analyze be like how was i wrong they're going to be like no how was i right even if i was wrong fuck that right we're like us as water sign moons and all that we're gonna sit there nocturnally sit at night and all that stuff's gonna come up and we're gonna observe it and become more conscious of it we have that opportunity more i think than other other moon signs but yeah all Mm -hmm. that was interesting i would say i'd stick with my whole thing on it sounded like aspected parts of the moon yeah that's kind of how i took it too because i mean i also took it in this sense especially when it dealing with let's see some of the things that it said um the body 
uh possessions fortune um what else where was it um yeah mainly those ones too i was like oh okay well you know the moon the moon's the moon's home in cancer it's antithesis is capricorn and it's exalted in taurus and it depresses in scorpio so a lot of the, well, the so things that i just said now when i said the body possessions fortune makes me think of the exaltation of the moon which would be in taurus which would be yeah. very venus it's, it's highest expression yes exactly right. so like that's why and i could see that too but if we're thinking about it, that's you know in that archetypal way where you know it is it the moon has this this receptive you know um you know nurturing and mothering in the womb in order to create and 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 this this form of conception inside the womb that then creates a certain form and stuff like that it, you know it can have that whole thing of doing with obviously the body and um you know possessions as well because you're also not just doing that with a physical thing but also you know even ideas you know and even what what you what you value and what you're going to nurture and stuff like that too and you can replicate those things. You can accumulate those things even more through that through that process and stuff. Um, uh, the other things that uh, you, yeah. get se- you get security, yes. by the way, from those possessions. It makes you feel at home when you possess things. Perfect. Right? Yes, I Go forgot ahead. about that. I that aspect of it. Um, but other than that, when you're secure, you're stable. Stability. Yep. And that's exactly no, what we're talking yeah. about. And I think a lot of it derives around wanting to you know as far as the moon and and any sort of feeling that we have of wanting to be stable in our life is very dependent on our emotions i think um and our attitudes but the other things that yes our attitudes you know and which you know we're going to process you know our attitudes on things because of our perception you know a lot of times because of how it makes us feel you know a lot of things um but the other things that were in there that everything else I was like, oh yeah, I could see that as Munta. But the other stuff that was in there was like the whole travel, wanderings, um, uh, a city, gathering of the masses, uh, you know, shit like You know what I get from the tr- mm-hmm. real quick, you know what I get from the traveling is that the moon travels. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's throughout so quickly so quickly throughout the zodiac every month yep. that it travels so the moon likes to be on the move. I yeah. also I also got from the whole travel thing was that like it's like and because also it is the moon is 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 boats too, because um, of cancer. But it's also and because of the waters. But the boat traverses the waters and wandering at the mercy of the waters and the winds and stuff. And those are all things that are you know you know you're kind of that's that's your vessel and you know that's it's the whole thing of you're sailing the tides. You know the tides are going to come regardless of what you want them to be, and mm-hmm. then your boat has to yeah. And also thinking about like the whole ability to establish roots or home wherever you go. You know, it's there's always going to be the necessity of that quality to kind of happen any sort of which way that you go. You know, if you're going to move, you're, you know, maybe maybe the move is against your comfortability and even is really hard on your, you know, it's it's hard based on your astrology and based on your moon side and, and everything. What was that? Um, but no matter what, you're going to find a way to tap into something. And there's going to be an aspect, whether you realize or not, there's going to be an aspect of that moon that's going to help bring energy and power into, into, okay, how do I establish my roots and home here as well too? How do I, how do I create that comfort and nurture myself in this environment and stuff too? That's the other thing. The moon, the moon also represents the overall environment too. I feel like, you know, like that's where, if you want to metaphysically look at it, when it comes to like the whole sun and the moon and the earth and everything and stuff. Um, which this breaks down into all different ancient mythos as well too. But 
it's like that's the sun that light you know we talked about the sun and we talked about what gives the sun its power and stuff and it's more of this thing that we don't see and everything but then you have the this form of 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 the sun and it's light and it pertains it, it it contains these creative qualities and everything and stuff too but something needs to it needs to be put into a container right it needs to, it, you know and this is where you could play into the whole understanding of the moon saturn matrix thing too where it's like the moon and if you look at it just not just the moon its planet but the moon as a representation and having its own celestial sphere and its own workings in our our universe basically yeah the lunar the lunar principle exactly so it's 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 being this environment of which it is allowing for this propagation and if you want to connect it with saturn and saying that whole Saturn moon matrix, well, you can really see how it's like, well, Saturn represents what? Stability, form, you know, those things where the moon is that receptive thing and it's together and gives us that, yes, and it gives us that physical form, that physical life for us to be able to, for, for us to be able to exist and to perceive things that exist, that exist. You know, it, 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 it's funny you bring this up because you have the Tropic of Cancer, you have the mm-hmm. Tropic of Capricorn. And Plato actually called them mm. the two gates, and he called the c- cancer the gate of descension, and Capricorn the gate of ascension. Where cancer, you drop in and become more, you, you know, you, you receive a body, mm. you receive a life, you are born and receive these things, and then the Capricorn energy is there to ascend out of the body and to go back up to the top, to mm. go back up to the top of the mountain and all that, that it is the two gates, and it's ironic that it is it is you have the tropics yeah yeah that it that those are the two um I feel like those are like you know the housing spheres of the sun of the ecliptic you know it's it's it is the matrix the sun is within the bounds of cancer and yeah and, uh and capricorn yeah and I, and I think i think that's why when you look at a lot of the ancient mythos and you know depictions and stuff like that this is why you're constantly seeing this reverence to the, you know, or the horns or the, the, the horned moon, like it, or, you know, that those things, which a lot of people be like, Oh no, it's Saturn. Oh no, it's the moon. Either way, it's always depicted as some sort of thing of fertility and everything that we just talked about goes in line with that and stuff too. So it's like, even, even the whole thing are just one example would be, would be Isis. It's the mother goddess of magic and healing. Uh, but it was also known as a set which means queen's queen of the throne, right? But it was always depicted with either a throne headdress, headdress a vulture headdress, which was more representative of mutt or the horn disc, which is Hathor. But that's the thing, like, you know, when we look at some of yeah, these- Crescent moon too. Yeah, exactly. The crescent moon, it's all those, all those mythos and shit. Like, but the thing we have to look at, we can't get focused on, well, is Isis the moon or is Artemis the moon or is this? It's not necessarily that. It's- that they've embodied these certain natures. A lot of gods and goddesses assimilated many earlier known deities and forces and uh, forces of natures and, and, and took on those traits. So that whole thing of, you know, wearing the horned disc, which is Hathor, you know, which was known as Isis, but Isis took, you know, more than one thing and, and embodied that, that energy and shit too. Well, Hathor could have been the embodiment, the embodiment of the Capricornian cancer nature and stuff, or the Taurian 
you know, nature of mixed with the moon, you know, shit like that. So, but you can't get. Yeah. Symbols are multi, they're multi-layered. Yeah. You can't get too like heavily focused on who's who, like, you know, it's, it's what are they representing and why and how are they representing it? That, and that's the dangerous part of symbolism and trying to decipher is that when you're calling out, say, a conspiracy, you're calling out of this, or you're calling out of that, or you think, you know, like in religion is as with us going through the dark ages there through all the symbolic and uh, stories and the mythos and all of that. There's so many different ways you can decipher. And that doesn't mean one's wrong and one's right. It means that it's it's being it's being uh, tethered to a certain lens of seeing it that way mm-hmm. as well. So there could be multi multi-layered meanings to a symbol or to a god or goddess mm-hmm. you know when you were saying isis i immediately thought isis ra and l or you have israel and you have you know isis uh, being the moon ra being the sun and then l being saturn yeah or this you know the electricity um and because saturn was worshipped as the second sun mm-hmm. you know so you could see and or or the sphere of you know we're in the sphere of of Saturn and all of that, so that's why you'd have the, the you know the mother, the father, and then the the elder exactly i mean and this this is why I'm bringing up Isis because it plays such a big part of understanding in more of the ancient psychological way of you know the importance of the moon, but you know Isis is also wife and sister of Osiris, the mother of Horus and set right but um the the you know uh manitho right he was a hellenistic egyptian priest of the ptolemaic kingdom and he was probably from what we've dated is probably the first to start associating isis with the moon in the third century bc and um and that was later reinforced by plutarch but so when you go into this uh when you go into dendro which is like a temple of hathor right, right i said isis is represented uh is represents hathor as well that goddess then hathor is an ancient egyptian goddess who's was known as more of like the primeval uh you know form who all others derive from in that sort of way and what did i just say before about the moon you know is it's it's the environment and that's kind of what hathor represents Hathor's also the daughter of ra you know or sometimes even said as the eye of ra and she was personified as principles of love, beauty, music, dancing, fertility, and pleasure. A lot of things that are very, you know, moon, Venusian. Taurus shit, you moon, know. M- yeah, moon, Venusian. Well, and Taurus being Venusian. Exactly. But Taurus relating to the moon's exaltation. Yep. And on, and, and on, uh, in, on uh, this, uh, in this temple, right, Dendra, on the, uh, on the ceiling of it, there's this, uh, this depiction that there's 14 figures leading up to the eye of Ra. And each one shows a different deity with a different headdress and stuff. And you can tell which one each one is and stuff in that sort of sense. But it's, it's what it's representing is the myth of Osiris, where in the myth of Osiris, Osiris was dismembered into 14 parts. The first Egyptian calendars were lunar based. So Osiris was a moon god in ways, and the temple depicts the moon changes and the lunar phases. You know, in in the myth of Osiris, you know, it's, uh, you know, Osiris lived till he was 28. So it's the 28 years life of Osiris was the moon cycle. And the 14 parts that were all cut up were the 14 phases of the moon from the full moon and the new moon. So, and it's also, there's a lot of the, the whole Osiris being killed on the full moon 
and it's more so like a a resurrectus concerning the spiritual alchemy of what everything that we were just talking about before of transmuting the ego into the spiritual self but through this certain you know awareness of our conception and perception of you know what what we're taking in and how we're and and how we're doing yes there's a lot you know obviously there's a lot that probably was very spiritual and mystical and stuff too but like you were just saying too that goes into this whole that whole trinity thing if you want to think of in the creative process of you know as above so below you know we said that whole thing the sun the moon and yeah you could you could throw astrology in there and think the rising too but you know you have osiris isis and horus in the mesopotamian culture you had nimron semiramis and tammuz you know so why were these things constantly revered and one of the things that you know i just found interesting is that the mythos always all different cultures always end up connecting in some sort of way like the main factor in this when it comes to all the other ones too with all the moon goddesses it's always fertility and that's the thing that we were saying it's not just about well oh, having babies and making it's not just that it's not the only thing that was trying to be fertilized no that's the venusian principle yeah the pleasure and the you know the goody feelings that you get from all of it and and even the sexual acts and all that's all yeah. the, that's the tory i think those were real, more ritualistic too in ways yeah well the, right you know, luciferian too but like the but the the fertility part of it or the mothering part of it is the moon supports it and makes it happen mm-hmm. and makes it a thing and nurtures the you know the, the the situation of what's being nurtured through that pleasure or through that Venusian principle. And that's why the moon is exalted in, uh, in Taurus. And it's funny, you brought up uh, the, the, the moon or in one of the, those mythos you were just rep or you were talking about how uh, you said one was representing of the single eye. Yeah. So right. And Osiris was connected mm -hmm. to it and you have the word Iris. Yeah, exactly. Isis, Isis, which is hat, you know, represents Hathor as well is also known as, you know, who Isis is the wife and sister of Osiris represents also was known as the eye of Ra. yeah and, and uh, as we go on with all these t- i mean I, I really love the the theological mm-hmm. and mythological part of yeah, all and these. that's just a um, small fraction you know, it, yeah that's i mean i know that that's you got artemis that's, that's you got, not even touching the surface i mean that's just barely skimming yeah. it i have something you had said before when you were talking about the uh environment mm-hmm. right because that's where all this yeah. came from so i have a book i have a book by amy herring called astrology of the moon and I, I was going through it and there was a section that immediately when you when you said it i, I thought of this and it was a metaphor and i i, I gotta read it real quick um and here's for anybody watching the video um that's the book um but i love her her work by the way i have i have a few other um books that she has aspects in astrology and there's another one i have but I got to read this real quick because when you were talking about the environment, so it says for the moon, there's a section called the private self. And it says, if you can imagine yourself, yourself as a house with your various astrological parts rep- represented by all the rooms typically found in a house, you might imagine your ascendant as the front door and foyer, and maybe your son would be the living room or family room. Perhaps Mercury would be your home office and Venus, the porch swing or the love seat or wherever you might enjoy socializing in a typical home. The moon, however, would be your bedroom or maybe even your bedroom closet. No matter how outgoing we consider ourselves to be, our moon represents the innermost part of us. It is our private selves. It is inherently a vulnerable spot of which we are protective. We could even call it our inner child. We only tend to reveal this part of ourselves to the people we trust, just like we might not bring everybody we know into our bedroom. 
We may say that someone wears their heart on their sleeve, but the moon is more than just demonstrations of emotion. Heads on what you said before, Gio. It represents the inner self, and everyone has a way to protect the inner self, even if they seem to be very, very outgoing or revealing. When we are truly seeing someone on this deeper level, it's not just that they're telling us their secrets, but that we see their vulnerability, whether it's through them revealing something private or feeling comfortable enough to cry in front of us or even sharing a personal creation or controversial opinion with us. Therefore, the moon is always the part of us that is a little bit shy, not necessarily out of lack of confidence, and that it reveals itself only upon the condition of some sort of trust implied or expected, uh, uh, implied or expected between people. But the, the, the room thing, I go, oh yeah, that's a, that's, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because I, I allowed a lot of fucking people in my bedroom. As you're, as you're reading it, I was waiting for that. You know, and I'm thinking like, oh, there's my cancer moon. Come in the house. Well, that's something to think it, about then. Well, well and now uh, yeah. it is completely opposite. You know, now that's, especially me, at least even being in mm-hmm. Florida. But regardless, I did allow probably not, not, I wouldn't say exactly the wrong people, but I allowed people to enter my space too mm. easily. I think that's the metaphor I would use or analogy of if I were to an, be analyzing my past self. And how I used to act and how I, and, and think about it, right? So think about anybody out there, think about your bedroom and who you allow in there. Um, what kind of people, what kind of, you know, what do you allow in your bedroom? And if you could use that as, so in your consciousness, what do you allow in that personal bedroom? Uh, it was a great metaphor. And you, when you, so when you were saying, you know, the environment, I immediately thought of that house metaphor when I was reading it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's a great way to look at it too, because just the thing like it is going to be those private parts of yourself that is aspects of of even just the fact of coming down to turn off you know it you need to, you need to have that reboot you need to rest you need to nurture yourself in that sort of way the dream state all those things that are represented by the moon as well but also your bedroom it's like those are things that are going to be kickers to how you end up thinking feeling and acting and out in the world and everything and stuff too so it is it, there, there's a lot of fuel that can come from it more than we may want to acknowledge at times. And this is why we're, you know, also showing the importance, yes, of each and every planet. But, you know, this is the big thing about about the moon. And 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 this would be what you would be considering tapping into the divine feminine. And it's not about, you know, being a little bitch. It's not about that women are just emotional. And it's not about that. It's the fact of that there's constant there's more of an attention and an awareness to this part of yourself, to the emotions and stuff like that. But, you know, we want to give it the right attention, the attention, you know, and everybody should figure out how they haven't been or how, where they do do good with giving the attention to it and learn how to kind of empower that side of them through this more constructive way of looking at emotions versus feelings and stuff and the, the how feelings can produce emotions and stuff where they're coming from and how we have to change our perception, but also just how we're actually processing those emotions. You know, we may just, may just want to, you know, veg out or something like that. That may not necessarily be the kicker. Like I know for me, well, we could get into that, but like, that's something I could see straight away through, you know, the, the, you know, my sun to my moon and everything. Like it's like, the, the energy of Taurus wants to come in and wants to ground and stabilize and likes the comfort stuff as well. But say if something goes awry, now my moon wants to get, you know, maybe naturally just wants to get lost in, in, in the emotion, the feeling. But on the downside, it could be in a sort of way that either gets lost at a point where there's no 
processing of it. There's no really understanding any sort of thing and it's not doing nothing and you could get lost in this sort of shit uh, or the fact that, that you get lost so far that it just comes to just hiding away, floating down below the surface and everything and and just taking on water, shutting everything out and you know overly indulging in the comforts and stuff like that too. But also there is a beneficial process. You just have to think of of the situation, whatever it is that's sparking those things to come up. And no one way is going to be how you should handle something. There's going to be multiple different ways how to handle certain situations. And there's going to think be be parts of there's going to be more parts of, you know, your son's son that's going to, you know, or other parts of your planets and stuff like that that are going to need to come into play more, you know, to 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 outdo maybe some parts of 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 that whole moon archetype. And maybe you need to reinforce the moon archetype more in some times and areas. But you're only going to be able to do that if you have this sort of awareness of the power of it and all the archetypes and the, you know, the elements and the metaphysical principles of being able to to work with this shit. Yeah. And I think on, I think on that note, I think we've, I mm-hmm. think that's, that, that's about it. Right. I think that, uh, this is a great mm-hmm. first, um, lunar episode, but we've, you know, we want to really hit mm-hmm. on, we told, you know, we, from the start, we want to be hitting on the basics and, and our own thoughts and, and things that we've come up with, with, with each of the planets and then eventually the, the signs and the houses and all that. But you have the idea now. And, and yeah. as we go along, uh, you know, next would be the ascendant and the and the rising and the chart ruler, and then what that means. But then Mercury and the rest and the whole pantheon of the astrological gods mm-hmm. and what that really means in all our lives, and and showing you guys, you know, how we've integrated this into our understanding of it all and how it has empowered us. You know, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. It's not to sell you some astrology reading. It's not to tell you to to believe in something. It's pure observation of hey, you know, this thing has empowered me fully in the way I experience reality in my life. And the fact that it has given me so much benefit that I must share this with people. And I think that's what astrology does. And a lot of this stuff does is that you, 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 you start to realize how much you have benefited and how much you've changed uh, coming down this path and how useful it all really is as long as you're willing to digest it and, and allow it to really hit the mind. And, and then also what it does to the mind as well. You know, like it expands your mind. It, it brings wonder back into it, but then it also gets you thinking differently. And it's it, it 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 completely shifts the lens of the mandala that would it uh, you know of what it is we call life and how we experience it at all. So that yeah, I, I think that I've I've said everything that I've I've wanted to say about it all, uh, at least for yeah. now. And we can go yeah, into same. you know different things for for you know anyone who's anticipating another lunar episode. I you know we would love to touch up on the lunation cycle and what that means with mm-hmm. the even other planets and you know how the how the the cycle of the moon is built into basically all astrological transits. Um, there's more theology and mythology to go over. So mm. yeah, I, th- I think this is, this is good. Yeah. But I think this is, I think this is a great way, like, especially, you know, taking a step back and breaking each one down and giving it its rightful respect through the process. But I just want to tell the viewers, like, just if you're watching this and you're on, and you're on this journey of this series, like be sh- I I would definitely say meditate on your chart or try to at least have it available and try to be able to look at these things as we talk about it and meditate on a little bit because I know for even myself like yeah I know my chart but like taking the time to look at each one of these areas and then focus on okay the moon and then see what's playing with that and then the next thing and see what's playing with that 
it's refreshing me maybe on some things or or just teaching me new things even about myself and my own processes and things I need to do and sh- shit like that. So, I mean, this could be very beneficial for you. Like, so, and, and, you know, a lot of times you got to take a course for this shit and stuff like that and dish out money and everything and stuff. But no, here it is. Take your time with it. It's here. It's available. It's going to be avail- available. If anything, just hit the like button. That's it. There you go. All right. Well, hey, we thank everybody for listening. As always, it's not about what you think, but it's about how you think here. And uh, we're here to expand the consciousness of ourselves and anybody listening and hope to have more guests. And But for now, we will. Uh, we don't know if we'll have any more astrologers come on and all that. We'll try to arrange something because it's always fun to have more people. But if not, then it'll, you'll, you'll get me and Gio and we'll be giving our philosophical and intellectual implications on this stuff. And hopefully you get something from it. So once again, we thank you. And until next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 